Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. And this week, we have another special guest for you guys. He's a British person from a British podcast that does not talk about British literature. Also, he's the fiancé to our title card artist, and I'm not sure what that makes us. It's JD! Hi, I'm JD. I use he, him pronouns, and I believe I owe you a punch through a screen, Tana. Probably after I hijacked your show a little bit. Oh no, this is specifically <laughs> for a bad British accent you did on your, I think it was Agent Carter. Oh, it's oh, so don't much- worry. I did another bad British accent <laughs> last week too. You'll get to hear it soon. <laughs> well, luckily I'm here to do the bad English accents today. Ah, <laughs> uh, they can't be that bad. Not as bad as my French accents. Oh. Well, uh, French might be useful today. Oh. Because <laughs> we're rebooting a French show. Ooh. I thought it was a Japanese show. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first shot of the opening title sequence is the Eiffel Tower, which appears in the majority of episodes. All right, then. <laughs> hey, why don't you tell the people at home what we're rebooting today? We're rebooting Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir. Ooh. Which uh, is still on the air, but uh, <laughs> has issues. Has <laughs> issues that I think could be fixed. Now, I've never seen any of Miraculous, but I do remember when it first began production and Tumblr was all over that shit. Mm. I remember when it was a 2D, much more anime-esque cartoon and there yep. are a lot of like sweet parkour and shots of an imposing pigeon man. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Mr. Pigeon was one of the first uh, enemies in the show, who's shown up many times since. Apparently they've beaten him off screen up to 26 times. <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, it's, it's just a joke. It's just a like, running gag at this point. That, you know, <laughs> the, the main villain of the show can't come up with something more impressive than Man who likes pigeons. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> You're doing terrific. Which, should I uh, tell you a little bit about the show and what it is? Yes, pl- please explain to us what it is so that we have context so, for why it's got to be fixed. Yeah, so Miraculous, com- yeah, commonly known as Miraculous, sometimes known as Miraculous Ladybug, which is part of one of the problems, is uh, a French animated show that debuted in 2016. The idea has been around since like the early 2000s and has gone through many iterations. So like it started out like the creator started with sketches in a comic book style. And it, yeah. So one of the early pictures was like an anime style. He wanted it to be an anime. Toei was going to produce it at one point um, until he found the, who became the producer, Jeremy Zag of Zagtoons. Yeah. It went through an anime style that they decided it would be best in the CG style though. Uh, apparently, it's to do with animation. They thought the spots on her costume would cause strobing problems. Um, so they've gone through that. But then they've also done many different media since then. So they've talked about doing a live-action film, an animated film, a stage play. There was bit, there have been multiple talks of stage plays, one of which may have been cancelled. I think one has actually happened with basically no fanfare. There are comics online that are deeply problematic, such as incredibly racist portrayals of black people in new york oh great oh yeah it, mm, yeah yeah uh, and everything down to like there are chibi shorts on youtube right down to the characters having official instagram accounts that are still running now with the characters themselves social distancing and so they're not posting pictures they're just posting written stories because they can't animate the pictures for instagram oh my gosh yeah Part of the problem with the show is the producer, Jeremy Zag, wants this to be, like, a great big media empire, essentially. So, like, France hasn't had that many majorly successful shows. Miraculous has, like, taken off far more than anything anyone could have hoped for. Also not helped by the fact that Jeremy Zag is really young. He's only, like, early 30s now and started work with the show, in like, when he's 25. He, he wants it to be everything. So instead of, like, focusing on making the one product good... He's like, let's make as many versions of this product as we possibly can and appeal to as many people as we possibly can. And like, as a result, like the creator of the show isn't involved with most of those other things either. It's just other people. Uh, that's 
That's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's one major problem of a few. The other, like, the biggest problem this show has really is its airing schedule. So the creators and the showrunners or whatever seem to have absolutely no control over when or where the show will air. For instance, for the like the finale of the latest season, season three, debuted in the Ukraine before several other episodes from the season had aired anywhere in the world. Because the Ukraine were just like, I guess we'll air it then. We've got the episodes ready. Put them on TV. Wow. Yeah. The show <laughs> desperately wants to be heavily serialized, but can't be because of the airing schedule. And so like the creators are like, oh, well, we created this unique timeline system where it doesn't really matter what episodes you watch the show in, even though events do happen sequ- sequentially and in- influence each other. And it's just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> we can't air our show in order, so we have decided that the concept of time is no longer canon. It really, really isn't, though, is the thing. So, for instance, the, one of the first episodes that aired anywhere in the world was, like, they say at the beginning of the episode, it's the first day of summer. Then they later have a flashback episode to, like, when they first get their superpowers, and... It's the first day of the school year, so it's September. So that means like that first episode should have been nearly a year later, even though many of the characters haven't really interacted before and first meet for the first time. But then you get other things, like an episode in the third season that takes place less than a year since the, the start of the school year, based on what is said in that episode. So it implies that the first episode that airs takes place le- later than the latest episode that aired. Oof. <laughs> <sighs> does this have anything to do with broadcasting rules or just i really don't know exactly what it is for whatever reason i think just because the the studio that put out the show are so relatively small that they can't guarantee when things will be ready there's been a lot of production issues as well some episodes have been delayed so i think for a lot of the cases whenever an episode is ready it's sent out to each country to dub it and then as soon as that country's got their dub ready, they're happy to say, sure, we'll air it. There have been a few cases where this ended up getting stopped, luckily. For instance, in season two, there was a three-part story, and I think Canada almost aired part two of that story before part one. Dang it, Canada! <laughs> luckily, due to fan outcry, they were like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait until we've got part one ready. It's fine. <laughs> the show's got a very very active fan base, like a huge one at that. Another part of the problem with the show, though, is that it doesn't know who it wants to be for. So the show, as it airs, has a lot of... It's a very kiddie show. It's very kid-friendly, despite some very dark moments, especially, like, one of the latest episodes that aired. We're shown the main character dead on screen in an alternate timeline at one point. Oh, great. (laughs) But I work in a primary school. I've seen four-year-olds who've got lunchboxes with this main character because they'll watch the show they don't necessarily understand everything that's going on the show's about teenagers and it kind of feels like that's more or less the audience it wants to be hitting for you know preteens. yeah like in that transition between watching mostly animated kitty stuff to more adult yeah maybe airing on the side of live action yeah I think, like, the creator of the show definitely wanted it to be for an older audience, and it's possibly been, like, a bit pigeonholed into making it for a younger audience. Some of his early comic concept arts had, like, guns being pointed at her face. This is a show that airs on the Disney Channel now. Oh, boy. <laughs> so that wouldn't have flown. I thought it was on Netflix. It, 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 everywhere it was around the world on... is quite different. In the, the UK, yeah. the Disney Channel gets to pre- premiere it. In America, Netflix now gets to premiere it, which means America often gets a lot of it later than the rest of the world because they have to wait until they can put 13 episodes up at once. Usually they'll have one or two episodes that haven't been seen elsewhere. But as a result, it's heavily watched by people online to the extent that I've spoken before with like you know the interns that run their official Twitter account. Oh wow! Who basically said it's fine if you watch this online. Just please later watch it on Netflix to show you're supporting it. <laughs> yeah. They know that people aren't going to wait for it, and that people are going to watch it as soon as they can. And as a result, people watch it in all different kinds of dubs so they can see it as soon as possible. It's a mess. Yeah, like like in Canada. With our situation with the English and French populations, um, it's aired by uh, Tele-Québec in mm-hmm. French. 
Yeah. And by the family channel in English. So, of course, I'm going to get it at different times. I'm just thinking now about um, how the Canadian show Degrassi, when it moved to Netflix, America got the new episodes before Canada got the new episodes, even though it's a Canadian production. Yeah, yeah, because the CRTC has a hand in when shit gets online. Yeah. Yo, okay, between between the interns just straight up saying watch it legally at some point and the character blogs, the show feels like it's a remnant from 2005. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna like look it up on Kiss Anime, and then like in the corner there's gonna be a note that says, "Please support the official release." <laughs> like some of the Instagram content is also a lot better than some of the rest of the content. Is the worst part. If, oh, no. but in a lot of ways, the show feels like a guilty pleasure. If I, you know, felt remotely guilty about it, but I've gotten past that and just like I watch it and have fun with it. But it's not necessarily very good. <laughs> Here's what is good. The best part of the show is by far its core concept, like its unique selling points. Like I've got down here, on its surface, it's kind of a generic superhero show. Like there's a lot of like, there's like trappings in Chinese law. They use the zodiac for a lot of things. It's kind of generic monster of the week type things. You've got the main villain who's like, "Oh, I will get the miraculous so I can unleash my secret plan," which we later find out is to resurrect his. Possibly dead, possibly comatose wife, unclear. <laughs> like, so we've got the two main characters, Ladybug and Cat Noir. Ladybug has got the, the Ladybug Miraculous and the Black Cat Miraculous, because Ladybugs are supposedly lucky. I've never heard that outside of this show, but... I have heard that before, actually. Fair enough. It's supposed to be good luck if a Ladybug lands on you. Yeah, they say that in the show. Um, and then you've got the Black Cat, who's unlucky. You've got Ladybug has the power of creation and Cat Noir the power of destruction. So they, you know, very yin and yang about it. And supposedly, if you get both of them together, you can it can grant you one wish. Now, why the heroes don't use that and just wish that the villain was gone is never adequately explained. Because they have to kiss <laughs> first. It's important. Yeah. It's implied that, oh no, they've kissed several times. Oh, really? I wouldn't know, yeah. because I, I only get stuff about the show second and third hand, so as far as I yeah. was aware, they're still just pining after each other's alternate modes. Oh, they are. They are. And that, that's <laughs> what I was getting to about the core, the premise of the show, essentially. Like, generic superhero show, but they don't know each other's identities. The main character, Marinette, is in love with... Adrian, Cat Noir's alter ego, and Cat Noir is in love with Ladybug, but they don't know each other's alter ego, which creates the love square, as it's called. She likes him, he likes her, but they don't know it, which creates, like, four potential possible pairings and ship wars between the same two people in this absurd fandom. Oof. People are diehard about which... Less so these days. People have kind of gotten over it a bit. But when, especially when the show first started, people were diehard about the ship they supported, whether it was like them both as normal people, them both as superheroes, whether it's him as a superhero and her as a civilian because, oh, that's their true selves, which is bullshit. <laughs> or whether it's her as a superhero and him as a civilian because that's when they both love each other. That's the blushy ship. The other way around is the sin ship, apparently, which has been acknowledged by the official Twitter account, which is disturbing because they're 14. 14-year-olds yeah. aren't allowed to sin. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. No. <laughs> I'll turn to AO3. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, like, I got the Wikipedia page up for the main character, uh, Marinette, and uh, yes. she's comparable to a young Spider-Man, so... Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't really see Peter Parker as, you know... For what it's worth, Marinette slash Peter Parker is also a popular ship. Yeah, I was yeah. just about to check on that. Although, <laughs> it's kind of an obvious one. Here's the less obvious one that I can't understand. Marinette slash Damian Wayne from Batman is a popular ship. I don't what? understand this. It is insanely popular. I don't get it. The only connection I can make is the fact that Batman dates Catwoman, and for the longest time, neither of them knew who each other really was. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. So so hang on, hang on. Okay, so does Cat Noir get shipped with any of the Batgirls? Oh no, Cat Noir's nobody cares about Cat Noir online. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's the Marin again, part of the problem is how much he gets put to the side. So Marinette is positioned as the main character of the show, because you know, girl power. That's all well and good. That's fine. 
in the universe, though, they are supposed to be teammates and equal partners. So while we, sh- we follow her perspective, that's one thing. But he gets treated as second fiddle a lot. As the show goes on, they get more and more teammates. And she's just automatically given the position of team leader for no particular reason. Well, she's red. They, then later... <laughs> I guess. Yeah. They then later on meet like a mysterious wise old mentor who's revealed to have given them their powers... Or I say, they meet, Marinette meets him. Adrian doesn't get to meet him until much later on. And she's the one who's given all the training. He's only given the chance to meet him when he needs to get given power-ups. And that's it. That's the only time they interact. And then Marinette becomes the new guardian of the miraculous because he trains her and just isn't interested in helping out this poor, poor, abused child. <laughs> I didn't know about that last part. <laughs> There's so, so many problems here. The core premise of the Love Square is fun. It's a fun concept and premise. The problem is what's done with it. So they are dragging out this show out the butt. It was confirmed that season five would be happening before season two had finished airing. Actually, okay, I don't think that's that unheard of in animation. Even so, like... Where are the, so three seasons of the show has now aired. There was no break between season two and three, uh, despite there being like ample room for a break. Like that was the establishment of their new team. Like giving a break there would have been great for the fan community to work with. The end of season three is a very weird place to have left it off, and no one really knows what's happening next. So no one can really carry it on from there in fan fiction. But now we've got to wait until later this year assuming everything isn't delayed by what's going on. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm not saying that's good, but that does sound like something that happens quite often in animation. Like, if you look at Steven Universe, I think yeah. after season one ended, there was a break, and then there was like a press release saying, yeah, we're going to give them uh, 100 more episodes at some point <laughs> in the future. And yeah. then, I, as far as I can tell, just the ensuing four seasons just kind of flowed one into the other, or there's a year break in the middle of a season. Yeah, the problem with us having so many seasons confirmed at once is really because the, because they know that they're getting this much time, they've not felt the need to progress the plot in any real meaningful way. The only plot progression because of what's going on really happens in finales. The relationship has not progressed at all from where it started and it's the main premise of the show the creator of the show has already confirmed online that like they are endgame they will get together by the end of the show because that's what we're all here to see but nothing's happening and that's really frustrating the main thing i want to fix is to serialize the show and i think a big part of the way to help that happen would be one make it for a more mature audience and two Go back to what the original plan of it being in a more anime style, possibly like actually produced by an anime production company in Japan, like a co-production between France and Japan. I believe it's currently co-produced with America. So like the um, the English dub is done at the same time. I believe mouth movements of characters is actually in time to the English dialogue rather than the French, so that it can sell better overseas. Huh. Huh. Yeah, because the producer of the show is desperate for this to be a hit and desperate to be successful at all costs. Rather than making it a good show, he just wants it to be a good franchise. Mm, That's a red flag. So, scrap all the other media, scrap all the movies and one-shot specials that are planned and stage shows and everything, and just focus on the show. Do you start out with the show? The first season would probably go pretty similarly to how it's done in the show. It's not the most interesting season. <laughs> but it's critical to establishing the world, basically. Yes. So the episodic format worked really well in season one. because So Marinette's classmates are all given some a screen time. There are only 14 people in her class. She goes to a very, like, very expensive school, I believe. Is It's implied. Like, one of her classmates is the mayor's daughter. Adrian is the son of the most well-renowned fashion designer in Paris. And Marinette's parents own a bakery across the street. The best bakery in the world. People do really like the bakery in the show. <laughs> sure. I mean, one of the kids in the class, like, his, her dad is a police officer. I don't... It's fine. 
one of the kids' dads worked as a cleaner part-time at the school, but he did once put on a mime performance at the Eiffel Tower, so who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Also, the French school system is uh, weird from an English uh, perspective, so yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) hang on, now when you say English, do you mean us Anglophones or English the people who live in England? (laughs) Anglophones in general, because have you ever heard of, like, the saga that is Sejep over in Quebec? I have not. I don't understand anything that comes out of Quebec. (laughs) So basically, (laughs) mandatory schooling goes up to about 17, but universities only take um, students who are turning 18 that year. So basically, kids in Quebec have to take an extra kind of, like, pre-college year. And it's called Sejep. Okay. Or does it end at 16? Yeah, basically you get more specialized stuff. You get like a diploma and it's it's weird and confusing. And why? Why did we allow this to happen? <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that sounds like a pain, but it still sounds like it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Than uh, the, the, the UK school system. Hey, <laughs> what's wrong with our school system? You have an A-team or an A-form or something that like... It's... I, I, the- it's kind of been simplified a little bit since then. So mandatory education used to be up to 16, has now been extended to 18. For what it's worth, my personal school education was weird because I went to, I had a middle school, which most people in this country have not had. Generally speaking, we have a primary school, which goes up to age 11, and then secondary school after that. I went to a, I had a middle school system, which has now been phased out while I was in the system as well. So I was the last kid in year seven at my middle school and the first kid in year eight at my secondary school. But it's relatively simple now. Yes, the the last two years are kind of named weirdly as a result because you get different qualifications from them, essentially. You get GCSEs at age 16 and then A-levels at age 18. Eh, Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but the French school system is also interesting because they they have a middle school like you guys, but they, they have a different age barrier on it. So when they talk about the characters' ages, it's awkward. If they ever plan on having them actually age properly, unclear, it's going to be really awkward because they'd go to a different school at a different time in American than in than French. And like they call it a high school in the English dub, whereas it's a college in French. Yeah. And they get baccalaureates or whatever, and yeah. I mean, as far as the actual show is concerned, that's like the least of the problems. <laughs> yeah, they got superhero stuff to worry about. So for a reboot, we'd like make sure it's squarely centered in France. Yes, still have the English dub for English speakers, and that's fine. But have them actually talk as though they're in France. One episode has Marinette's uncle visit from China, and they talk about how he doesn't speak any English. They're not speaking English, though. They're not supposed to be. They're speaking <laughs> French. They're in France. And it's, it just comes across really awkwardly. I mean, there's no easy way to do that either way, but I feel like it would be best to try and stay consistent and have them refer to themselves as speaking French, essentially. Of what's yeah. going on, act as though it's France. Because it is incredibly French. If the Eiffel Tower's not in an episode, then uh, the, the Louvre probably is. Or various other french landmarks like they really want to push the idea this is france they want you to know they're in france of course there was one time they, they had like a brief scene in england and guess where i uh, guess what was shown uh big ben the london eye london bridge buckingham just palace big ben, just big ben they were on the train to london the train got derailed into space space portal yeah because you, you know how it is sometimes your train goes to space and then they went through a portal, which was one of the hero's powers, back to Earth to save everyone. He'd just been given those powers while they were in space, though, so he didn't quite know how to use them, and ends up crashing the train into the clock face of Big Ben. So we just see a train through Big Ben. <laughs> That's the only shot of England in the show. It's like Roland Emmerich designed that scene. <laughs> yeah. At one point, one of the characters talks about moving to America, and, like, has a Photoshop picture of themselves in front of the Statue of Liberty, of course, as far as actually re though. So, yeah, make it a more anime style. One thing that 
common complaint in the fandom is some of the costume designs, especially Ladybugs, considering that Marinette wants to be a fashion designer, and the costumes they have are supposed to be drawn from their psyche for how they would want to appear as a superhero. People are kind of miffed that her costume is so boring. It's a morph suit. Yeah, with spots on it. And the spots cause major animation problems, too. Yes, she's Ladybug. She's got Ladybird-themed superpowers, it doesn't need to be like that. Many people have come up with more interesting designs online. I say we tone down the spots side of it, just have like a few spots on the back and the front or something, and then more easily enable anime-style animation. You're more easily able to serialize it if you aim for an older audience, and you can shake up the designs a bit more. So they use a lot of stock models for characters. There's one character who's only known as August's mother because she wasn't named, but her baby was named. But that's what she's called, who I counted in one episode, like her model was used as seven distinct characters in the course of one episode, three of which are actually on screen at the same time because they're all in different photographs as part of different couples that are being set up by this wonderful matchmaker. So if they are the same character, actually, he's just a really shitty matchmaker. (laughs) Yeah. So how about this? We make Marinette uh, the... The Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp of this superhero-verse. Yes. How so? Uh, The original Wasp in the Marvel comics was a fashion designer. Oh, okay. Cool. There there are implied to be other superheroes in this world, just not in Paris. So in the origin flashback episode, Marinette's best friend, who's a new new girl at the school at the time, is obsessed with superheroes, which is why she starts, like, she sets up a blog for for them. Like is how most people get their news in the city. She like shows Marinette a comic book of an, a superhero, and it's implied that that's another real superhero in the world. And the head teacher is also obsessed with a different real superhero. Both of those characters do appear in person in the comics, which unclear if those comics are considered canon. Hmm. I think the show doesn't know itself whether or not this is supposed to be real or not. The show's not interested in exploring other heroes for the time being. It's interested in giving more and more nonsense things to the heroes. During season two, it gave them new power-ups, which, like, they give by... So they, they get their powers from magical creatures called Kwamis, um, which, like, they fuse with them when they transform and need to be uh, refueled after using their magic powers. So Marinette's Kwami Tiki loves sweets, particularly macaroons, and Adrian's Kwami Plag loves stinky cheese, particularly camembert. Can you tell yet that this show is French? (laughs) (laughs) And I'll admit, I love both of those. Wait, I I think you meant macarons? They say macarons in the show. Oh. But they're wrong. But I... Does it look like the cute little pastel things? I believe in French they would still pronounce it as macaroon. Again, I could be wrong. I haven't heard much particular French. I I think they're Uh. pronouncing it as... Parisian French get really particular about pronunciation because yeah. it's weird complex about it. Over in Quebec, they don't give a fuck. Macaron. I mean, they were apparently a common thing in French newspapers is to translate uh, people's names into something more French. So there was quite the to do about Vladimir Putin's name because apparently they were trying to figure out how to pronounce. Putin in French, but that it sounded like Putin, which is the French word for a sex worker, or Poutine, which is the delicious fries, gravy, and cheese curds uh, soul food that we eat here in Canada. Mm. He is, uh, I use say, uh, Vladimir Poutin. Alex is obsessed with Poutine. He is from Russia, and I am from Quebec. <laughs> We've just lost our Quebec audience. <laughs> Rip. The show also has a really weird state about whether or not it's going to translate certain things. I think with names, at least. So, like, Ladybug is called Ladybug in French because they're essentially she's chosen the English word as the superhero name, which they haven't translated for the English dub, and she's Ladybug, which works as a superhero name here because we don't call them Ladybugs, we call them Ladybirds. But for Americans, she's just chosen the name of the creature and it's very uncreative. It, then you've got Cat Noir, who is... Chat Noir in French, so he has literally just called himself a black cat. They didn't translate Noir for English, I guess, because they assume people know what the word Noir means. 
They did translate Shat because they don't want to sound like make it sound like what he's doing all over the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> you get characters with incredibly French names. So their classmates include Julica, uh, Milen, just Ivan. Well, that's not necessarily a French name, but a lot of French names for the show. But then Mr. Pigeon is called Monsieur Pigeon in French. But like we know the word Monsieur here. Yeah. They'll do whatever they feel like, really, arbitrarily. Again, rebooting, standardize everything. Names, just keep them untranslated. Bad things happen when you translate character names. Even if it sometimes helps you make the characters more memorable, if they've got a name that you're more familiar with. Like, I watch an anime with Alex, and I don't remember any characters' names. Yeah. <laughs> Is it Jojo? <laughs> Jojo, uh, Mob Psycho... I just about remember that his nick- nickname is Mob, but I don't remember the main character's name. Yeah, like, the Sailor Moon original dub at least kind of <laughs> tried to go for some close names, and if they couldn't, like, with Sailor Jupiter being called Makoto in Japanese, they called her Lita, which is a roundabout reference to Jupiter anyway, through one of his uh, rape victims, Lita. Mm. Speaking of Sailor Moon, though, queer coding. Yes. <laughs> this show has some relatively significant queer coding that they know that they absolutely cannot get away with if they want to sell in the international market. You know how it is these days, especially and also Disney. Yeah. Trying to figure out what can get past the radar, what's acceptable and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. China is a weird market. Yeah. So they had a really weird episode as well called uh, Zombizu, um, based on, you know, zombie and the French word for kiss, bisou. And it like aired on International Kissing Day as well or something, which was wild. And it's a, an episode in which the main villain spreads a zombie plague that spreads by kissing. And so many characters of the same gender are shown kissing on screen. Huh. Like, not, like, full on the lips or anything, but, like, you get, like, people being tackled to, to try and kiss each other by, like, in a zombie-like state. It, it's weird. I think something like that happened in, like, 28 Days Later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. See, they could probably get away with that because any similar gender kissing going on would be a bad thing because it turns you into a zombie. Yeah, I mean... They're catching the gay. Here's here's one thing I'll say, though. There is, of of confirmed couples in the show, there is one couple that has never been allowed to be shown kissing on screen. It's the couple that is comprised of Marilyn and Adrian's respective best friends. And guess what? They're the only two black characters. Uh-oh. The only two black characters got paired off together, and to be fair, they're an adorable couple on screen, but they're the only two black characters who got pushed together and then aren't allowed to actually be shown kissing. Anytime they're about to kiss, they either get interrupted or we cut away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another aspect of the reboot. Be less racist. Have more characters of various different ethnicities be shown in the show, and mixed-race couples. That's an easy fix. Yeah. Turns out, not being racist, super easy. And France, like many other colonial, former colonial empires, needs to get the fuck over itself. Yeah. yeah. France's, one of the French's favorite pastimes is just being racist. I just want to quickly check the, the names of the characters that were shown in the Miraculous comic for one time she went to New York, and just, like, hit home how particularly bad they were. Here we go. So, in the comic, Marinette gets transported to um, New York, and the best part? She's naked! No! So, I'm not even entirely... I don't think they ever really found out what the context was. I think they were at, at the beach when they transformed, so she was in the middle of putting on her bathing costume when she had to transform into a superhero form, and so lost her, like, didn't have her clothes, then got transported to New York. So she was wearing a cardboard box when she meets a uh, group of people. Their names are Public Enemy, Metal Face D, Ghetto Blaster, Shaolin Soul, Breaker, and Killer Bee. And she assumes that they want to rape her. Because they're black men. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. The comics are widely ignored by (laughs) everyone. Thank God. They'll be be cancelled first. (laughs) Yeah. Again, all that shit scrapped. Be less racist. Back to the queer coding, though, which is something the show is relatively good about. So there's two characters. There are three 
couples with queer coding in the show, really. So there's two girls called Rose and Julica who are often shown as best friends. In season one, Rose is shown to have a crush on a guy. So I, I can I think my headcanon for them is that she's Pan and Julica is bi, but that will vary from person to person. Some people will say that, you know, she, it was a one-time crush and she's over that. It was a, a, a straight phase, if it were. But since then, they've always been shown as being very close, except for one mention in one of the later episodes in the dub where one of them says the other is like her sister. Sure. There's one particular instance where Adrian is looking for relationship advice and he's shown looking around. He looks at two straight couples, one and then like this pair of girls and another pair of guys I'm about to talk about. So, like, they're considered to be they're one of the more popular ships in the fandom as well, as good as shown to be a couple. There's two guys, again, one of whom who had a crush on Marinette early in the show, but then uh, the other one, one of the, they write, do, they do a comic book together based on the superheroes. One of them writes, one of them illustrates. The writer saw the, the other guy's illustrations online, and then, including with his own self-insert in OC, and then started writing stories based on that, and is just very clearly in love with him, and very blushy. And then uh, the other one is You've got Chloe, who's, like, the bitch. She's, like, Marinette's rival in the school. And Sabrina, who is her lackey. Sabrina is clearly in love with Chloe. It's unclear if it's reciprocated in any way. One time the show went so far as to play, there's a particular romantic backing track. It's played, like, anytime anything romantic is going on, like when Marinette and Adrian had their first dance together at a, at a party. And it's used to indicate romantic interest and it once played when these two had a reunion after a falling out which is it was for like a split second but the best case for both both that couple and then rose and julica is a, an episode um called oblivio which is one of the more popular episodes where alia and uh, nino had both been akumatized into one being because their, t- their teacher caught them in a closet on a school trip quote Playing Super Penguino, which is a kid's game. Oh, is that what they call it these days? That's the thing. So they're saying they were playing a tablet game. They're shown on screen in still images, leaning into each other to kiss. Hint. Super Penguino is a metaphor for making out. (laughs) So they're feeling nervous about this. To everyone else in the class trying to make them comfortable by saying they play Super Penguino. Like, the known couples in the class, and then also Rose and Julica. Sabrina says that she and Chloe play sometimes. Chloe gets very embarrassed and tells Sabrina to shut up. And then they talk about, like, needing to find the right person to play Super Penguino. Adrian says he's never played, but he just wants to find the right person. So, background coding, like, they are trying to, they're nailing it in relatively thick for these kind of shows. Reboot, make them gay! (laughs) Just let them be. Just do it. Just do it. You know, do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> the main thing as well, I've got as far as planning things out. I feel like I've barely just scratched the surface of a lot of what's going on in the show. I haven't talked about like the main villain at all, <laughs> but he's kind of fine. So the main villain, spoiler alert, plot twist that comes at the beginning of season two. That's not really a plot twist in any way. The main villain is Adrian's dad. Interesting. Like. Everyone knew that going into the show, basically, already. Like, in every single dub, they have the same voice actor. They're never shown on screen together. There's a lot of this and that and the other. It gets very interesting once you know that. For instance, he's often deliberate... So the way he makes supervillains is when he senses negative emotions from people in the city, he can send out one of his evil butterflies and Akuma and transform them into a villain. He can only usually do this one at a time and give them absurd, very thematic powers. (laughs) <laughs> such as one of the the very earliest design of a villain from this show was Mr. Pigeon, a man who can control pigeons. That's the first thing the creator of the show came up with. I mean, pigeons are... Well, they're not as bad as Canada geese, but they are a terrible <laughs> plague upon a city. Yeah, especially Paris. I mean, his second idea was a man with magic mind powers. Because we're in France! Really? I hadn't noticed. Just all the French stereotypes! Also, I want to say that the main villain in the series is voiced by the guy who also voices uh, Char Anzenabal in the Gundam series. 
oh yeah like watching other anime it's wild like fight because like it's so many anime actors doing this for instance um marinette's mother is voiced by mimi from digimon <laughs> wow huh and uh, Marinette herself is Christina V, who, Tanner, you might know from being uh, Vespa the Black Ranger in Hyperforce. Oh, nice. Yeah. She's also a massive nerd. <laughs> yeah, watching other shows and hearing the voices. As someone who doesn't watch a lot of anime and is watching it more now with Alex, it's weird. It's like in Mob Psycho 100, Hawkmoth, his voice actor, plays a minor villain, and Marinette's voice actor plays his boss. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I say we keep the cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The cast are great. Like I know there are some prob- some people have an issue with like Nino's voice actor because he's become almost Californian. You know, says dude a lot. I really like it personally. I enjoy his voice, but just because I come into the show only knowing the English dub. But they're good at what they do. I think the show definitely seems like it's trying to go towards redeeming. Gabriel, Adrian's father, because like he's got this, you know, noble goal. He just wants to save his wife. But he's incredibly abusive to Adrian. He keeps him locked up in his room and doesn't let him see his friends. Adrian had to beg to be allowed to go to school. And in one alternate timeline, when he found out Adrian was Cat Noir, he revealed himself to to Adrian in order to make him feel so bad that he could akumatize him as the superhero, which resulted in Adrian becoming Cat Blanc, and um, wiping out all life in the solar system with his p- power of destruction being enhanced, and then gradually going insane until Marinette arrives from an alternate timeline to save him. Oh. Yeah, can I mention this show sometimes gets dark for a show that, you know, four-year-olds watch? Can I just say, I'm extremely over cartoons and especially children's shows go like bending over backwards to try and redeem abusive family members solely because yeah. they're family. Yep. Oh god, the family, family first! So, if he was a relatively, no, maybe not father of the year, but maybe, maybe just not exactly the most attentive father, like, I think redemption could be possible. As it is, he's incredibly abusive. Like, because of the way things work, at the end of the day, Ladybug's magic creation powers fixes everything and puts everything back to normal. Like, there was one time the, the city was flooded by a villain, which definitely would have killed most of the population of Paris. But because she's got magic healing powers, everyone was fine. So the thing is, he knows that. So it's not that big a deal if his powers hurt someone necessarily, because it can be fixed. It's still not great, obviously. But not that big a deal. Not as big as the severe emotional abuse he's put on his son, which can't be fixed by magic. No. So in the reboot, I would want to tone that down a lot. He talks about how he loves his son, but it's just terrible towards him, how he's doing this for his son. If that is genuinely the case, that could be an interesting motivation. As it is, I feel like the only way the show has a chance of redeeming him is if he dies. And even then, you know, that's shitty. Redeeming him in the way of, like, Asami's father in Korra? Hmm. So I'd want to tone him down a lot on that front and just big up being evil when he's in disguise. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe um not to spoil anything from Into the Spider-Verse, but maybe have him not know that his son is Chat Noir for a bit longer. Yeah. So that's the at the moment, as of three seasons airing, like he still doesn't know that at all. They really revealed a bunch of characters' identities in the finale, but Ladybug and Cat Noir don't know each other, or Hawkmoth, and Hawkmoth doesn't know either of them. It was just in one alternate timeline episode, which also was... The reason that happened, supposedly, is because Adrian found out that Marinette was Ladybug, and so started dating her. The problem wasn't that, though. The problem... and It's implied that, oh, we can't possibly date until after we've saved the world, because otherwise that bad thing will happen somehow. Marinette doesn't understand how, but... No, the problem is just that Adrian's father happens to be Hawkmoth and is incredibly abusive towards his 14-year-old son. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, you can't have Slade and eat and have him redeemed properly, okay? No, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's also... There's, because there's been an implication from time-traveling characters that in the future, he'll be usurped as the villain he is. Someone else will take his powers and carry on. 
which like to me suggests that they're planning on eventually having him give up his villainous ways and someone else takes over. But no, just the show has a messy issue with time travel as well because of that. Oh God. It, it just wants to play around with so many tropes is instead that it of just doesn't know what to focus on. So yeah, there's no focus. Yeah. It's... Okay. So in this remake, we mm-hmm. maybe don't guarantee five extra seasons after two seasons. Yeah, take it slow. One season at a time would be ideal. Keep people on their toes as to what's going to happen as well. Because now, because of the premise of the show, we the fandom's just like, well, not much is going to happen in the next season then, I guess. Because every season, they'll give out teasers being like, oh, and now Marinette's going to have to make her big choice. Like, season two introduced alternate love interests to them, which is why the ship wars in the love square died down, by the way, because now there are ship wars with other actual characters. Yay! Which is huh. progress! They progress! I don't know that again everyone who's actually tuned in to what's going on knows those couples aren't endgame also one of them is just a really lame character i've got like a layout here for how i progress the show my plan involves six seasons that like well the seasons themselves would be more episodic and i uh, sorry more serialized and like eventually introduce new superheroes who would join their team and so because of the way the show is done the new heroes that are given powers are forced to then return their powers at the end of the episode, so that when they're not in the, the next episode kids watch, they're not confused about why that character doesn't show up. But then sometimes those characters do show up arbitrarily, so it's like, well, what if they saw that episode first? They want their cake and eating it too, but... Yeah. The... Yeah. Okay, num- number one priority, time is canon again. Yes. it's so bad that at one point there's a calendar shown on screen that people have analyzed to try and take like because like marinette her her attraction to adrian is often played up for last because it's a kid show to the point of obsession it's mentioned one time that she's made him his next 50 birthday presents you know as her fashion designer she's so she's made him clothes which is creepy She's memorized his entire schedule because he's kept on a very rigid schedule. And, like, knowing, like, which after-school clubs or something he did, that'd be one thing. Having an entire year calendar with what he's doing on every given day, that's messed up. Yeah. And sometimes the show, like, tries to make out, like, she's getting over this and getting better. But then sometimes because of the fluid timeline, they'll bring it back. So, again, maybe early on, she's her crush is not particularly healthy and part of her character development and growth is making it a more healthy attraction particularly via having an attraction on with someone else yeah yeah and in large that seems to be the purpose that the other love interests are going to serve in the show to tone down their obsessive attractions on each other which would be good if the show knew how to handle that the show really doesn't seem to understand what is considered a positive trait either. Like, Adrian is in the original... Sorry, I'm jumping around. In the original plan for the anime series, the characters were two different quite, characters with quite different personalities. They were going to be called Bridget and Felix. Felix has since been reused as Adrian's cousin. Marinette was mostly the same, but Adrian was portrayed as a cold, distant jerk when he's Adrian. As Cat Noir, he's still goofy and fun-loving, but somehow Marinette's still supposed to be in love with him, despite the fact that he's always horrible to her. That got changed to make it so that actually he's an absolute sunshine child and really nice to everyone. Which is why they consider it to be a very good change. Yeah. Yeah. But the writers don't necessarily know what makes someone a good person. One particularly popular episode involved Hanoir wanting to have dinner with Ladybug as the, the hero themselves. Um, one night, so we made plans with her, and she said, oh, we'll see, maybe, but I am busy, so probably not. Turns out, Marinette had plans with their group of friends, including Adrian. So Adrian is going and double-booking himself. A- Adrian didn't get permission fr- uh, from his father to go out, so he snuck- sneaks out as Cat Noir, and you think, okay, once he's snuck out as Cat Noir, he can go and meet up with his friends. Nope, he goes and sits on a roof by himself to wait for Ladybug, who doesn't show up because she's sad because Adrian isn't showing up. <laughs> this is so funny because they're both waiting for each other, except for the fact that then he blames her and gets really mad at her for not showing up. It's obviously resolved by the end of the episode, because of course it is, 
but he never apologizes. <coughs> so, yeah. like, Tana knows, I, um, I write a fan fiction series on AO3, how miraculous should have ended, where I take <laughs> every individual episode and treat it like, you know, how it should have ended on YouTube. And a lot of the time, what I do, especially with later episodes, is just have characters apologize for being dicks, because the show hates the word sorry, unless Marinette's saying sorry for something that wasn't her fault. Oh, God. Yeah, the show holds Marinette to a very high moral standard, and not Adrian. Like I say, great concepts, they're just so badly mishandled. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is like some of the problems that happened with Once Upon a Time, where the heroes yeah. were held up to an impossibly high standard, but like the villains could fuck up all the time. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, because, yeah, on that show, they wanted to have their cake and eat it, too. They wanted to go through the good redemption arcs that Rumpelstiltskin and Regina would have, but they were popular as villains, so they needed them to just progress back to their old habits so that they could do both. And then they can do another redemption arc, and every time it falls flatter and flatter, because no one trusts that it's legit. Okay, well, let's talk about redemption arcs in Miraculous, though. So, Chloe, I mentioned earlier, the class bitch who's always bullied Marinette and been horrible to her, she goes through a redemption arc. Or five. <laughs> so, during, during most of the first season, when a lot of the characters get akumatized are uh, their classmates, Chloe is responsible for a lot of people getting targeted by the villain. She's, like, she's the one who makes people feel bad, culminating in herself being, like, not, Ladybug not trusting her in the finale because Marinette knows who she is, um, even though Chloe was right at the time, and that gets Chloe herself akumatized. Then... At the early episode of season two, Chloe decides to start trying to be really nice because Adrian's basically had enough and said, I won't be your friend anymore if you're nice. Chloe and Adrian are like childhood best friends. So like he's the only person she's nice to and he's the only one who puts up with her. But he's had enough now. Uh, So she throws a party for all their classmates and tries to act really nice. Hawkmoth is watching this and is like, ah, the most spiteful girl in all of Paris is throwing a party. I'm sure someone would be upset. So he just sends off a butterfly and just waits for her to make someone mad. And eventually she does upset the butler, her butler, who basically raised her and is trying to help her help her feel better. Um, and it's not entirely unjustified. He does embarrass her in front of all her high school age friends by showing her childhood stuffed toy and talking to her in a teddy bear voice. <laughs> so you can see why she'd be upset. As of the end of that episode, though, she claims that she's trying to be really nice now. Then we get to that episode that I mentioned, the Zombizu, the kissing episode, where it's instigated by their teacher is the one who gets uh, transformed. And again, Chloe's being absolutely atrocious to everyone. Marinette is the target of the Akuma in that episode um, because Chloe's upset her so badly that like, the teacher calms her down. So the teacher then still tries to get revenge on Chloe. And again, at the end, Chloe has a very sincere, heartfelt apology that feels really good in the show. Then there's a three-part series of episodes where Chloe ends up getting superpowers herself, that she's given another power by Ladybug. On, sorry, she finds it. That it was supposed to go to someone else. She finds it and ends up trying to use it and ends up proving herself as a hero and it's called back later. Great. So then in season three, she's still not the nicest person at school, but she's trying to be better, and she's got this heroic identity now. Um, but her identity's revealed, so Ladybug doesn't feel like she can call on her anymore. But Chloe accepts this. There's one episode where Marinette is getting targeted by the new school bully that's there to replace Marinette, who everyone else likes. Um, but Chloe doesn't fall for the lies and isn't targeted herself, which is incredible. And then arbitrarily in the finale of the third season... Having been the first character in the show's history to say no to Hawkmoth when Hawkmoth tried to target her, willingly joined up with Hawkmoth to side against Ladybug because Ladybug wouldn't give her powers, even though she knew that Ladybug couldn't give her her powers, because they love to backtrack on those redemption arcs. That was a long-winded way of saying, just give them a redemption arc. And make it stick. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. In this reboot, when characters improve, they improve and stay improved. Maybe they're not perfect at first, but they get better over time and don't just backtrack constantly. Because what's the point? Exactly. It serves nothing. Especially when it's across multiple seasons. Their argument about things being out of order, sure, okay, so that's why she's still kind of a jerk at school. But in the season finale, there's no reason why you would then have to completely undo all of her character development. 
<sighs> so basically, we hand this all over to Toei. Yes, I sincerely think they could do a much better job. Either that or just the fans. There are some very good fan fictions for this show. It's got an incredibly large online community. Yeah. Like I say, like like you said at the beginning, Tana, like people saw the concept from the early on and it was in development for years, but it still built up a massive fandom before it had even started airing. And the first season was mediocre but fine. And the concepts were enough to keep people going. But now people are starting to get tired of everything self-included i do genuinely enjoy the show but every time they keep screwing up it just makes it harder and harder yeah yeah like i think the biggest thing is that this series needs a studio with discipline Mm -hmm. focus on making a good season one season at a time while also allowing for that character development because like there's a temptation with superheroes to kind of keep them static so that you can keep the stories going at least there was in the comic book world until the 90s yeah but we don't speak about the 90s the show does draw a lot of inspiration from comic books as well like the like thomas astrup the creator has said he was influenced a lot by comics and anime it's very clear from watching the show that those are major influences but like so much of that has just been sucked out by the studio, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out of three seasons having aired, there's been almost no progression of, like, the main plot of... Well, either main plot of the heroes and villain conflict, there's a little bit here and there, and more so, the love square. As I say, it's a superhero show, and that's, like, you know, the main plot, but the reason we're all here is for the love square, so we want to keep it moving in some way. So I've got, like, a plan over six seasons to have development so season one i keep mostly the same and still have it establishing the world season two again stays more or less the same but puts more focus onto their new love interests that are introduced each of their new love interests appears in two episodes in the season and both of them are kind of shut down by the end of the season as well then it just restarted in season three instead i'd have them either about to start a relationship or starting their relationship towards the end of that season the season three You've then got those new relationships being explored, new interactions with each other, and part of that means that they're, st- they're getting over each other. Marinette becomes more comfortable around Adrian because in the show she's usually a mess around him and stuttering, and Adrian calms down around... La- uh, Cat Noir calms down around Ladybug and stops constantly harassing her. And those relationships eventually break down, preferably amicably, because those are still fun characters to keep, keep around in the show, Um, And that leads to the series finale of season three, um, having bringing on what is called the reverse love square. Adrian, now that he's like realized what he wants from his other love interests and that Marinette has calmed down, realizes he has feelings for Marinette because he already is just denying his feelings for her in the show anyway. (laughs) And then Marinette similarly realizes that as Ladybug, she feels she has feelings for Cat Noir. And despite the fact that she knows about his feelings for her, she doesn't feel it's appropriate for them to be in a relationship as superheroes. So then season four, you develop this new new dynamic. You've got new interesting ways to explore these characters and their relationships. Having now from just a different perspective. And then like towards the end of that season, you get them together as a, as a couple as civilians, because like, this is the main premise of the show. We shouldn't have to wait until the end of the show I hate when shows just only get cut couples together right at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I get like, that. We've put in the work here watching the show. Let us see them be cute together. But then you've got two more seasons. You've got season five where they're dating and it's adorable, but they still don't know that they're superhero partners, which gives you, again, a whole new dynamic to explore where like, they're trying to come up with excuses to run off as superheroes, not noticing the silly excuses the other one's giving. And, like, you know, they'll be with each other on a date, and five minutes later they'll be together as heroes and not realize what's going on. One of them will try and, like, lock their partner away in a cupboard to keep them safe because they care about them too much. And then they're like, well, this is awkward. I need to go and fight. And then the end of that season, you have them learn each other's identities. So then in season six, you've got a final season where they work together fully in sync, and you see how far they've come as a couple, as a team, as friends, and they save the world, and yay, everyone's happy. And then once that's done, you can have your stage show and your chibi shorts and your whatever other bullshit spinoffs you like. The spinoff where she ends up dating Damian Wayne for a bit. <laughs> yeah. 
that whole concept has its own TV tropes page. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's my plan. <laughs> like, I, this can be a really good, good show. It yes. just needed some polish and some discipline. Yeah. Written by someone who knows how to write. With less racism. Less racism. And more gay. More, more gay, gay. Yeah. And listen to the writers, not the TV schedule schedules for what the plot's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can see that the writers have these cool ideas they want to explore. They just can't. Ah, poor writers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From what I heard, writing staff tends to be at the bottom of the of production hierarchy anyway, so yeah. Which yeah. is weird, because without them, you don't have a show. Yeah. Especially, it's also weird because as well, like they're often some of like the better known people from the production staff among viewers. Yeah. Like. Okay, maybe they might have a better status within TV shows. I know that within film, they sure. tend to be the bottom. Yeah, that's true. It that's actually played up in one episode of the show. They had one episode that uh, got scrapped late in the process for whatever reason. So they ended up doing a show where the creator of the show is the character in the show who gets turned into a villain because he's made a, an animated movie. And like for clips of the animated movie, they use footage from the original anime-style short they did. Um, <laughs> it's fun. And then in the episode, no one knows who he is, and he gets really upset because no one knows who he is, and he's the director of this film. <laughs> I mean, the entire premise is ridiculous anyway, because by that point, these superheroes have existed for less than a year. How have you made an animated movie about them in that time? Yeah, it's more likely that there's a J. Jonah Jameson out there asking for photos, or demanding photos, <laughs> of them. Well, that's the thing. So, uh, Marinette's best friend, Alia, set, starts a, a blog, based, like the lady blog, at the beginning of the show. <laughs> so there's a lot of footage on them online already as a result of that. Like, she's constantly at fight scenes. Marinette, you know, grants her exclusive interviews because they're friends, even though she doesn't know that. So, like, they're already very well seen and well known as a result. But you still don't have time to make a full feature-length animated film in that time. <sighs> so I think we've reached the end of our rope here. I think so. Unless you have any last-minute things to add, JD. No, I mean, there's, there, like I said, there's a million other points I could go through, random side plots and everything, but I think we've hit the, uh, the, the important notes. All right, in that case, I'm going to activate my miraculous power, which enables <laughs> us to go listen to a friendship promo. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. And we host Oh No Lit Class, a comedy literature podcast that tells you all the strange and sexy facts you never knew about the books you had to read in school. Every episode is a fun, foul-mouthed spark notes for your ears, filled with author bios, plot summaries, bad impressions, and Megan singing. It's mostly you that sings. No, I sing well, she sings poorly. That's not true. So come listen to us ruin classic literature one book at a time at onolitclass.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, lit class. We're for kids. No, we're not. So, JD, why don't you tell us where you can be found on the internet? So, you can find me primarily um, on Twitter, at CodenameJD, and you can find, from there, you can go to anywhere else, but uh, I also do a podcast with Alex, who does your art, at which is at Sorted Pod on Twitter. We sort Harry Potter characters. Sorry, we sort characters from other media into the houses of Harry Potter. Tana came on a while ago and did Glee with us, which honestly is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. You helped us realize, like, that we should be taking ourselves a lot less seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my work here is done. Also, sometimes yeah. you do sort Harry Potter characters into Avatar vendors. <laughs> That was also one of my favorite episodes. Uh, so like I say, I'm on AO3 at Codename JD as well, where I do almost entirely uh, Ladybug fanfiction, <laughs> because I'm an adult. I'm a 28-year-old man. <laughs> I mean, I'm a 27-year-old they, and I also am deep in the AO3. I was making spreadsheets <laughs> for my Glee fanfic. Sure, sure, sure. Is your show a cartoon watched by four-year-olds? <laughs> No, but a Glee anime is probably the ideal next step in the franchise. My god. <laughs> what have they done? That's a concept for a later day. Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? 
I can be found at lindsaym476, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there, including my Pinterest boards, where I've created uh, boards for totally adult content like Sailor Moon. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, <laughs> at SparkyUpstart, and on Instagram, at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can find me on, I guess since we're sharing everything, what is my AO3? <laughs> my AO3 is Sparky underscore Young underscore Upstart. <laughs> and you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced SPOTS ON! <laughs> you can also email us at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite failed redemption arc. You could even ask us to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachoo, and her work can be found on ptcagw.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. Lindsay. Tanner. JD. Tanner. Next week, I mean, JD, you don't actually have to worry about it, because you're not here again next week. (laughs) (laughs) But what are you doing? I'm still curious. Well, I'll give you, actually, actually, I don't even have to give you guys a hint, because it's, uh, it was another people's choice, and so we already know what we're doing, it's publicly available. Next week, I'll be rebooting Hunger Games 2, Two Hunger, Two Games, Catching Fire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna find out if the odds are even remotely in my favor. Specifically Catching Fire, huh? Just Catching Fire. As far as I'm concerned, Hunger Games 1 is fine. Fair enough. Anyways, we'll deal with that battle royale of emotions next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Oh, and JD, thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thanks, JD. <laughs> it's been fun. Yay. Yay. I should have asked you that first. I'll edit it so that it sounds like <laughs> I did. Anyways, okay. and scene. <laughs> <laughs>